The reading is from 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting at verse 14, and can be found on page 1197 in the Pew Bibles and on the screen. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All the scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is the word of the Lord. Quick word of prayer. Heavenly Father, will you now take your word, your God-breathed word, and breathe afresh by your Holy Spirit into our lives. May our hearts be open to your word, and your word open to our hearts, in Jesus' name. Amen. I've grown quite fond of the the biblical character, Timothy, over the last 40-odd years, I guess. Reason being, when I was a, a teenager... As a Christian, I used to hear those wonderful testimonies from people of, you know, the kind of drugs, sex and rock and roll type testimonies. That's how I refer to them. You know, I'd sit there as a teenager and hear how this person's life had been complete and utter mess and been involved in all these things. And then Jesus had just come in and completely transformed their lives. And I used to sit there and think, wow, that's wonderful. But I used to be a little bit jealous I used to think, oh, I wish, I wish I'd been like that. Because <clears throat> my testimony, and I've shared it very briefly in the, in the past, but, you know, I was eight years old when I came to know Jesus. There wasn't, I didn't even know what drug, sex, and rock and roll was when I was eight years old. And so I was a little bit kind of, mm. But then God really had to kind of correct me on that. And that's where Timothy comes in. Because here with Timothy, we've had it read out to us, we learn that from infancy, from being a young lad, he knew the scriptures. And he knew them because, if you look back in chapter 1, his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice taught him those scriptures. In fact, he looked to their lives as well as an example. And he grew up as what would have been in the, in the Jewish faith and then came to be a believer as well. And actually... Having been corrected, I suppose, rebuked, I'm really grateful for my inheritance as a Christian. I'm so grateful that my parents and my grandparents and possibly even my great-grandparents were Christians. My grandparents were married in this church back in the 1940s. My grandfather apparently used to, one of the earlier boilers when they used to work, Eddie, (laughs) He used to put the coal, apparently. He was on the rotor. They used to have coal rotors in those days. And he used to have to come down the road and put the, the coal in, in the boiler. Actually, I'm really grateful for that inheritance. Just a little thought. And I know, I know we all have different, different stories, different journeys, different ways that we've come to know the Lord. And so nobody's better than anybody else. This is not what I'm saying. But just, just out of interest, in a minute, put your hand up if... 
You were, were involved in church. It's always difficult to actually know if you've been right there from birth when you became a Christian. But if you were involved in church, not in a nominal way, but you were going along regularly, you were in a Sunday school, you were growing, learning the scriptures, let's say before the age of 10. Just put your hand up. Just look around at how many hands are up. I don't know, that's probably two-thirds of the church, I guess. If that isn't you, then, you know, talk to those who have been brought up in those scriptures. You see, those of us who've, who've not got the drug, sex and rock and roll kind of testimonies that you might have are really encouraged by them. But the other way around, those who've been brought up in the scriptures, we've got stuff that we can teach one another, haven't we? And if we haven't, that's what growing the next generation is really about. As we look forward, we prayed for Hannah and our children, our children as a church have gone out and are being discipled and learning stuff as we speak. That's what we want, don't we? We want them to grow up knowing the scriptures and it being part of their lives. We're in a series on on the Bible, Eddie started it a couple of weeks ago, and we're speaking particularly about Jesus and the Bible, what Jesus thought about the Bible. Today I'm looking at the purpose of the Bible, and I'd encourage you, because there will be some overlap, and I can't say all the things I want to say in the next few minutes, Eddie's already said some of them, so listen to the series if you can, download the podcasts, or just listen to them online. Today I'm talking about the purpose of the Bible as we find it here in these verses written to Timothy. And I'm going to pull out three key things that I want to say this morning about those purposes. First of all, if you're taking notes, the first thing I want to say is the purpose of the Bible is to point us towards Jesus. The purpose of the Bible is to point us towards Jesus. Look at what is said here to Timothy. As for you, continue in what you've learned and become convinced of. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Able to have the power to make you wise for salvation in Jesus. The Scriptures, the Word of God, the Bible that we have in our hands today, is able to point us towards Jesus. A few weeks ago, I had the privilege of preaching on on Easter Sunday. And one of the verses I referred to is is back in 1 Corinthians 15. The things of first importance. There we have in a nutshell, if you like, the gospel. That Christ died for our sins, that he was buried, and that he was raised from the dead. And then he appeared to Peter and 500 plus others. There it is in a nutshell. Pointing us towards Jesus pointing the way for us to be saved, to come into relationship with him. That's what the Bible is here for. That's what the scriptures are here for. But let me say what I hope sounds when I first say a controversial statement, and then I'll unpack it. No one is saved purely through reading the Bible. If anyone says to you, I became a Christian solely through reading the Bible, they're wrong. And if that's you, you can come and have an argument with me afterwards. What Paul says to Timothy here is that the Scriptures point us towards Jesus for salvation. I think it's important for us, as we look at the Bible, 
and we're in a church where we, we, we hold up the Bible as being really important, that we don't place the Bible above everything else. Because it's Jesus who saves us, not the Bible. Simple point, I'm not, deliber- I'm not splitting hairs, I'm deliberately saying this, it's Jesus who saves us, not the Bible. The Bible is fantastic. I've just honoured the Bible and said I'm really pleased that from at my infancy, I love the Word of God. There were times when my dad would come into my bedroom and I, I'd supposed to be studying for my A-levels or my degree and he'd come in and he'd say, what, what are you doing? What are you studying? Oh, I'm, I'm studying, Dad. Yeah, but are you studying the Bible or are you studying for your exams? Because I used to love it. I used to love delving into the Bible and, and unpacking it and reading what different commentators said and discussing it. The Bible didn't save me. Jesus saved me. And we have to be careful that we don't get into a word bibliolatry, that we idolise the Bible above everything else. No. There are still people in the world where the Bible is not in their language, and yet they're coming to know Jesus as Saviour and Lord. Jesus has the power to break through anything. So, yes, fantastic, the Bible points us towards Jesus for salvation. That's why we need to learn what's in here, but it's Jesus who saves. Amen? Now I'm getting a bit Pentecostal on you there, showing my roots. <clears throat> Paul says to Timothy in verse 10 All scripture is God breathed. And before I go into the second point I want to make about the purpose of the Bible, I want to draw this out for us, because I think there's something important that we need to grasp at the centre of these verses. All scripture is God-breathed. Now, when these were writ- this was written, of course, it was primarily referring to the Old Testament. Hear what Eddie has to say about the Old and the New coming together. As we know, the New Testament, as we understand it, wasn't really in a form of the 27 books until about 367 AD, so it was quite a while yet, but we do see that this is talking about scripture, both Old and New Testament, all scripture, all of it, both canons, the the Old Testament and the New Testament, are God-breathed. In some translations it says God-inspired, but I like God-breathed, and actually that's what the Greek says, it says God-theo, Breathed, neustus, and if you're listening there, that comes from the same word, pneuma. And that's an important thing for us to grasp as we look at this, because the pneuma is the Spirit. Scripture, Old and New Testament, is breathed by the Spirit, by God's Holy Spirit. Fascinating if you want to get into it and look at kind of word studies and that, but both in Greek and in Hebrew, Ruach and Numa, Numa being spirit in the New Testament, Ruach, Old Testament, are used for, for spirit, for breath, for wind. Interesting, when Jesus appears to the disciples in John 20, verse 22, it said, Jesus breathed upon them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. As he breathed, as the Son of God resurrected, breathed upon them, he said, receive the Holy Spirit. 
These verses are very Trinitarian. They're about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Why am I making this point? Because I want to bring together the sense of word, the word of God, and his spirit together. We need both. Otherwise, the Bible just remains a list of rules and regulations and and difficult stories for us to grasp. It's not until God's spirit comes and, so to speak, brings them to life and breathes afresh on his word that he inspired from the start, that it starts to come alive in our lives. Hannah's testimony of being in church but not quite being there yet and sort of not understanding it. It wasn't until she encountered Jesus that it started to make sense. And how does she encounter Jesus? Because God's Spirit came and brought life in her. These words are the God-breathed, Holy Spirit-inspired words of God that we have in our hands. And together... His word and his spirit, that brings transformation and change. And that points us towards Jesus and so we are saved. And so, my second purpose then can start to happen. There's a pastoral purpose of the Bible. I've used that term to sum up the verse that we were singing, those words that they were singing in that song. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. This is where the God-breathed Word of God, His Spirit, starts to work in our lives. Now you could unpack those four words if you want to. I suggest into two different ways. First of all, you could say that the first two are to do with doctrine. That's the teaching and rebuking. The teaching being the positive and the rebuking being the negative. So we need the Word of God, His breathe words to to teach us doctrine, to teach us about him, and to rebuke us at times. I mean, nobody likes to be rebuked, but we need to be told off at times, don't we? And we need to be told off primarily through what's in here, by his spirit, his God's, the God-breathed words coming and speaking to us. So you've got doctrine, and then I suggest the other two could come into practice or ethics. That's the correcting and training in righteousness. Correcting being negative, positive being training. But it's that pastoring of us. We need the word of God to pastor us, to disciple us, to care for us, to change us, to transform us from one degree of glory to another. We're not going to do it on our own. And this is where you see where the word and spirit needs to come together. Because I found in my life, I could just sit and read some of this, but sometimes, and I'm sure, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, sometimes you read something and it just doesn't go in. And then a month later, a year later, you can read it again, and it's almost like the Holy Spirit is saying, now's the time for this to change your life. Or sometimes you might hear that preached. People may preach here and and preach the same sort of stuff, and then one time you're here and and, and something just just happens. There's something that comes to life in the Word. You've heard it a hundred times before, but it's like God's Spirit is now saying, "Now, now you're in a place where you can grasp this. There are things that happen in my life now by God's Spirit that I wouldn't have been ready for 20 odd years ago. That's the Word and Spirit coming together. That's why this book isn't a a legalistic lots of rules that we write, go away now, read this, and everything will be fine. It's not. We need His Holy Spirit to keep breathing and pastoring us and discipling us and changing us. Here's one example 
from my own life. I thought that might bring it to life. And as I was preparing this, this is what I thought of. Some uh, nearly 30 years ago, uh, when I was in my training and between, uh, I think it was my degree and and College of Law in Guildford, I decided I I was going to be a dispatch rider on a motorbike for a few months. Because I had a bike and I thought that's a way of earning a bit of money. And so I started dispatch riding around London. And that uh, was quite good fun. I came off three times. That's kind of standard for a dispatch rider. And I remember being parked up in London one time, and one of the other dispatch riders I got to know, he came up to me, and at a quiet time, he said, uh, would you like to earn a little bit more money? And uh, I said, yeah, yeah, of course I'd like to earn a little bit more money. First of all, you know, is this legal? You know, are you getting us into drug running on our bikes or anything like that? He said, no, 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 he said, it's completely legal. He said, uh, but if you'd be interested, I'm gathering some people next week at somebody's house and someone's coming to do a presentation on, on, on a money-making exercise. Okay, fine. So I went along to this and I, remember, I still remember getting asked at the start, um, if you had all the money in the world, what, you know, what car would you like to buy? I remember saying, oh, I'd love to have an Aston Martin. I still remember that and I still don't have one. <laughs> Anyhow, we sat there and this guy did this presentation and, and I'm being careful not to say, because the organisation behind this still exists, and, it, and, it's, and it's legal, um, so I'm not going to cut, but I'm deliberately not saying, because I don't want to portray whether this particular thing is good or bad. I'm giving an example of how I felt the Word of God and His Spirit were at work in my life during this process. So I hear this presentation. At the end of it, the guy who'd invited me said, right, well, what do you think? I said, yeah, it's quite interesting. Yeah, it might, might work. He said, well, I, I need to do a, a follow-up with you one-to-one. Okay, so we put a date in the diary, came round to uh, my parents' house where I was living at the time. Now, in the in-between pro- period, I'm praying about this. And I started to feel uncomfortable about what this was. It was a kind of, um, and this is what I'm saying, it's, it's not illegal, it still exists today, okay, just being clear. It's a, it was a kind of pyramid selling approach, legal pyramid selling, and it, you'd sell a certain product, and then, but you'd make money by having people selling it for you. It was one of those kind of things, all right? And as I was praying about it, I felt God bring this scripture to my mind. Matthew 6, verse 24, Sermon on the Mount, you cannot serve both God and money, for you will hate one and love the other, or love one and hate the other. And I felt quite strongly, whether you would call that being corrected, trained, rebuked, I don't really care what the word is, but it was the word of God, a scripture that I knew, the Holy Spirit bringing to mind for me at this point in my life. And I decided that he was saying, don't get into this. In fact, now, who knows, 30 years on, it might be right for me to do this. I'm not going to go back and look it up. That's not what I'm saying. But at the time, it wasn't right. And I was convinced of that. And I remember when I sat with this chap the following week, I explained to him that I was a Christian. I remember him saying, well, you can give all the money to church. And I said, no, that's not the point. I just, whether I shared the verse or not, I can't remember. But I felt God was saying to me, if you get into this, you're not going to be loving me. You're going to be loving money. And I can't have you doing that. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. Word and spirit coming together. That, I believe, is what's being spoken about in this passage. You can think about that in your own life. 
Thirdly and finally, Paul goes on, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Man, the word there can mean man, it means men and women, so it's not specifically men. When it says man of God, I don't think this is just talking about preachers and teachers. This is talking about all of us as, as sons and daughters and servants of God. So that we can be, here's the key word, equipped. Scripture is there to point us towards Jesus. That's the first purpose. Secondly, it's there to pastor us. And thirdly, it's to equip us. In this church, we have various different gifts and talents. And it's fantastic. Some of those are are, are playing the piano and, and leading us in worship. Some of those are preaching. Some of those are doing children's work. Some of those are making coffee. Some of those are arranging flowers. Somebody suggested that we should give those flowers to to Rosie. We had them at the front. We all have different gifts and talents. At this point, I'm just thinking internally at the moment. I'm going to talk about externally as well. But we all have different gifts and talents, don't we? But we have the same equipment, every one of us. You have the same equipment for leading worship, Ali, as I do for preaching, which is the Scriptures. If you're making coffee, I'm not patronising that. I've been to some churches where the coffee's been rubbish. And I've like rushed out the door at the end. We have good coffee here and we make it well. That's a gift and talent. You have the same equipment. I'm not being stupid here that you've got a recipe for coffee. But you get my point. Whatever our gifts and talents, however we use them, we've got the same equipment. Everybody's got the same What are we equipped to do? Good works. Good work and good works. And again, I was playing around with this when I was thinking about it. So there's the good works you might think in terms of doing charitable stuff outside the church, in terms of um, becoming a street pastor, uh, being involved in in food bank or whatever. There's the good works. But I also think it means the good work. Whatever we do, we should work well. This is why I love the Frontline series we did a few years ago. It's good work. We want to be the best as Christians. We want the best solicitors, the best architects, the best people working in the National Health Service, the best people at the gate picking up children during the school, the best bin men. I'm I'm quite encouraged at the moment. I was was just thinking about football. To my knowledge, in the top four divisions, I think there there are five that I know of currently Christian managers. That's brilliant. I'm praying for them because they're great at coaching and training. They've been footballers. They're good now at managing. I want them to be a success. I'm not going to get into praying for wins here. I want them to be a success because they're Christians. I want them to be equipped by the word of God to go and be the best football manager they can be. Good works. And so we've got the pastoral second purpose, and then we've got that which is very internal, and then we've got the external going out and being the best we can possibly be. This is what the Word of God is for. This is where I get excited about it. This is why I'm so glad that I've been reading this from an infant, because this is life-changing. This affects every area of my life. 
It's great. Yes, I've been pointed towards Jesus and I've discovered him. Thank you. It's great that he's working in my life and changing me and correcting me and training and rebuking me. It's great that I'm able to go out and be the best pastoral support director, I hope, because I'm equipped by the word of God with word and spirit coming together. The message translates this little bit as shaped up for the task God has for us. That's what the word is for. It's to shape us up for the task he has for you on a daily basis. When you're praying, when you're looking at the word of God, ask his Holy Spirit to come afresh and shape you up for the task that they are ahead. When we get together in our small groups and our house groups, let's get together and ask the Holy Spirit. Let's look at verses like 1 Corinthians 10 I've got down here where it says, Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Let's look at that. Ask the Holy Spirit to direct us and say, how does that affect me as a teacher? How does that affect me in my workplace? How does that affect me at the school gate? Let's talk about it because the word of God, as we were reminded there, is living and active and will change us. Let it point us towards Jesus. If we're hearing this for the first time, please do come and chat to us afterwards. We can unpack the scriptures a little more. We can pray with you. We can ask that God might come and encounter you by his Holy Spirit today and that you'd know him as Saviour and Lord. Secondly, let the purpose be there to pastor us and disciple us and change us in our daily lives. And thirdly, let it equip us to go out and to serve and to do these good works and good work. I'm going to hand back to Eddie. He's going to lead us in communion. I just thought it would be useful to pray for us at this point. Because often, when, when people preach about the Bible, we feel guilty that we don't read it enough. And we go away thinking, oh, I feel terrible, I don't read the Bible enough. I just want us to give us a chance just to deal with that with God now. So you can leave here with that dealt with and get excited again about his word and how it might equip us. So if you would just bow your heads in prayer and let me just pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your God-breathed, spirit-filled word. We thank you that there are thousands upon thousands, millions of lives that have been transformed as your word has come to life by your spirit in people's lives. Forgive us for the times where we've not looked at your word. Lord, We're busy, you know that, but we just want to deal with that now and lay that at the foot of the cross. Any guilt, there's no place for guilt in our lives. So we lay it before you. Forgive us, Lord. We want to turn to you and just if there's been a little kind of trigger in us today, a fire that's been, a flame that's been fanned into fire again, Lord, take that by your spirit and give us a greater excitement for your word that we would go from here and look at new ways, fresh ways, maybe talk to someone who's put their hand up this morning or talk to one another and say, how can we look at the word again together? Maybe there's apps that we need to look at. Maybe there's different notes, whatever. But Lord, come by your Holy Spirit and take this and change us. We want to be a people individually and a church that are passionate for you, that are passionate for your word passionate for your spirit at work in us through your word as well.
Lord, we bless you and we thank you. Take us and use us for your glory that we may be equipped for these good works. In Jesus' name, amen.